John 20, 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw the stone that had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and they said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached for the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. As yet, for as of yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must be risen from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb. As she, as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, let me tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbina, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went out and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. morning. Happy Easter. So many of you know I grew up in Texas. Can I get a yeehaw? Woohoo! We don't say, we don't, we don't, no, I won't talk to them all today, but no one says, you cannot hook them and hook them horns to a Baylor bear over here. That is the most un-Easter thing I've ever Okay, so when I was growing up in Texas, um, I would be uh, fascinated with uh, cicadas. Has anybody ever lived in a place with cicadas? And I particularly remember going over to my grandma's house, and if if you lived in a place with cicadas, you just know the sound. Like, it's such a loud, very particular uh, soundtrack. And I can just remember going over to my grandma's house, and uh, I would go to the tree. I have a picture of her. Well, that's a cicada right there. Uh, cicadas are, um, so they would leave these shells like you just saw uh, in and around trees like this one at my grandma's house. Uh, but what's really interesting is cicadas can actually, uh, they can live seven up to 17 years underground, and they will then rise to the surface, and they will come forth from these shells. And so you see this, like, really gross, disgusting thing. When I was a kid, I'd go up and be like, oh, yeah, it's so cool. Uh, but they look like, 
they look like dead bugs, but uh, what you don't see is that the cicada is gone. Like this is just this is not a dead bug. This is just the shell of the cicada. The cicada is off somewhere living, and that's what you hear. That's the sound you hear. And these shells, these old clothes, you know, they're interesting to stare at and admire, especially if you're like an eight-year-old boy like me. Um, but the cicada doesn't really care where. On Easter morning, we just heard uh, Mary comes and she finds the empty tomb. She finds the shell. Jesus is somewhere else. Jesus is somewhere alive, transformed, on the move. Jesus is loose, and the disciples then uh, come, Peter and the beloved disciple, and they find these old clothes. They find these linens, the linen that wrapped the body of Jesus, and then this other linen that had been used to wrap his head with. It's particularly folded up somewhere on the side. Someone took the time to uh, unwrap Jesus. This is very strange. And then they took the time to then roll up this, intri- this intricate headpiece. Uh, these are the old clothes, and the disciples then just, they leave. They go home. Um, I think, you know, Easter is a, is a catalyst. It is the pulse of Christianity. Uh, it has been, this mysterious movement of 2,000 years has been what has inspired the love, the worship, so much friendship, so much sacrifice through the years. But I think sometimes we can get a little bit caught up on admiring the old shell. We can get caught up in admiring uh, the old clothes, this empty tomb. We can be caught looking at this shell, and it's really easy to debate symbolic meaning, or we can debate on whether or not uh, where Jesus is and what did, what actually happened in the resurrection. We can spend a lot of time looking at the old clothes. And maybe it's because no one's ever seen a resurrection before. No one even on Easter morning saw the resurrection happen. That was the mysterious hours uh, of Sunday between just God and Jesus. And Mary and Peter and the beloved disciples, they find this empty shell. The disciples go home and perhaps just join everybody else who had slept in that morning. Um, and Jesus is gone. Mary decides to stay and she simply cries outside of the tomb. She just, you feel her grief in the story. She just cries. Um, and her weeping soon turns to meeting the resurrected Christ, as it often does. And Jesus curiously returns as a gardener. I think this is really uh, an interesting thing. Uh, I've heard someone say that uh, when you read this story, there's a naked gardener somewhere, so you just should like look for that. Uh, but it's kind of curious that Jesus uh, is risen, and then Mary sees this man outside of the tomb. And uh, you know, the ear- earlier picture we had up, uh, Jesus doesn't have like gardening clothes on, but I found this one. I'm like, yes, maybe this is him. Maybe he was outside. He's like with his shovel or something, uh, gardening. And so she just assumes this gardener is just gardener and turns out to be turns out to be Jesus. But why did Jesus come back as a gardener, adorned in gardening clothes and, and maybe with a shovel, uh, living and breathing back into the creation that God created in Genesis and called good. The same creation that sentenced Jesus to death, Jesus now returns to cultivate it and to bring new life. The shell, the tomb, and death have no importance 
No, Jesus, gardener, has been raised to grow new life. And he simply says, Mary, her sorrow turns then into the very first Easter sermon. Mary then goes and preaches the very first Easter sermon as she runs to the disciples who have been sleeping in. In the resurrection mystery, this is where it becomes so real. She, she runs and tells of her experience of seeing Jesus. In the resurrection, it's real. It's real in that it's validated by the lived experiences of his followers who saw, spoke, and walked with Jesus after his death. It's proven through the resurrected life that Mary on this day knew she experienced. Her weeping turned to hope. The disciples' crippling fear transformed into peace. And so in verse 20, we, we find uh, the disciples are sitting in this house, and it says that the doors are locked because they were scared. And all of a sudden, Jesus just pops into this locked house and uh, says, as he was speaking, he revealed his wounds in his hands and in his side. And the disciples began to celebrate as they as it really sank in that they were seeing the Lord. Jesus comes in marked with the scars, marked with the pains of the world, but transformed, further exemplifying his message of peace and non-retaliation that he taught to his disciples, the Sermon on the Mount, turn the other cheek, comes in preaching peace, even to the people who had just a few days ago abandoned him. He comes in, not for vengeance, but brings them peace. Buried with Christ, they too have now been risen by God. With these experiences, the early followers then, uh, they didn't even celebrate Easter after this. Uh, every day for the early followers of Jesus was a celebration of their experience with the resurrected Jesus. Every week when they gathered, the early Christians would gather, and this was their animating narrative. This was their story. Every week was a chance for gathering around the table and celebrating the resurrected Christ. So how then do we 2017, experience the resurrected Christ? How do we hear the call of Jesus in the house further into peace? Are there fears in our life that need to be raised to new life? Are we in a black hole of sorrow with seemingly no way out? Is there a gardener nearby that we simply don't recognize? What is it looking, what is it that you are looking for, Jesus asked? I don't really think any Easter uh, service or sermon can motivate or convince or persuade any of us into a particular encounter like this, especially one that has no, no one is able to uh, really put their finger on and prove. Uh, but we must be willing to take the risk of crazy hope, radical love, and a truly vulnerable experience of the living Christ in this world. The hope of new life in the midst of the death that we experience. The resurrection points to God's reality of peace violence, life over death. In the resurrection, death has been overcome. And yet Jesus bears the mark of the reality of death, which transforms life and still preaches love. Nothing has changed, and yet everything has changed. We still see the scars and, of death all over our world in our lives today. But the resurrection hope is God's final yes. Yes to us, yes to life, yes to the creation that he calls good. Resurrection is our narrative. It is our animating story to garden around the old scenes of this world, bringing life amongst the dying things. In a world that says, who cares, or just leave it the way it is, that sees no hope in the future of our society or our planet, God says no to 
to this kind of violence that crucified Jesus? And yes, he was. No to bombs, no to empire, no to hurtful words, no to discrimination, no to exclusion, no to our egos, no to oppression, no to deportation, no to fear, no to judgment, no eye to eye for an eye jabber, no to religion, no to the gods that we have created, and no to the destructive voices that we say to ourselves. God says yes to life, yes to peace, yes to hope, committing to return as a humble gardener, cultivating new life within each of us, just when it seems like there is no hope. So sure, we can stay at home like the disciples in Greek. Sure, we can spend time looking at the tomb, examining the cloth, contemplating and debating with people about how this all could have really happened or not. And sure, we can find plenty of reasons in life to be skeptical, plenty of things to complain about. As my dad always says, uh, you can always find something to be cynical about. We can look at the poverty around us. We can look at the corruption in government. We can look at the media sensationalizing war, and we can be cynical. Or we can choose to find new life, new life within ourselves, new life within others, (coughs) new life in a world that Christ continues to pull us forward into more equality, more peace, more wisdom, and into resurrection. Resurrection calls you and me into deeper love, hope in this life, purpose in this moment, courage when it's dark. Resurrection doesn't make you wait for some heavenly reward, but it brings us hope here can see every experience in this life as a mysterious moment of resurrection. The words of Jesus living and breathing among us, as Paul wrote in the New Testament, Christ now lives in me. Christ has burst forth from this old shell. The resurrection life of God calls us deeper into life here this morning. The air we breathe in this room is alive with resurrection hope. Jesus tells his disciples in the house, now I am sending you. Sending you from the lost house. Sending you out. Christ is risen. Christ is alive. In you and in me. Lord, vulnerable God, humble gardener, we thank you for new life. We thank you for hope when uh, our world seems bleak. We pray that you would fill us with the uh, resurrection hope uh, like, you fi- <coughs> like you filled within your disciples. Uh, your disciples who were lived constantly in these circumstances, uh, constantly in fear of their own death, uh, of their own crucifixion. You filled within them pray that if uh, any of us is in a, in a black hole this morning, uh, a bleak circumstance, and we just don't see the end, may you remind us that resurrection is just around the corner, that resurrection is here this morning, that you bring new life bursting forth within each of us. We pray for hope, we pray for joy, we pray that you call each of us by for you and love for our brothers.
let's stand together and we'll sing a song as we close this morning. And let's de- sing this and let's declare the freedom that we found in our resurrected Lord. There's a world at war, lost in suffering, silent casualties, Desperate times. 